listen, if you're newer to our community, uh, ultimately what I'm going to do for the next 34 minutes in one second is I'm going to preach a message uh, from my heart. Uh, we always open up the scriptures and believe that God not only speaks uh, back in the day, but we believe he speaks today. How many believe that? And so uh, I'm a preacher. I'm a Pentecostal at heart. What that means is you're going to see this vein pop out quite a bit. You're going to see spit fly. But again, like John said, we're a talk back, holla back kind of culture. So I hope you guys are ready for a word from God today. Everybody take out your notes or a pen or a paper and take down some notes. I work way too hard on my messages for you to just forget the word that you hear tonight. And so uh, as we get into it, you know, it's our birthday. And I just remember so many incredible moments over the years, incredible, incredible moments over the years. And uh, I'm reminiscing and reflecting a lot this past uh, couple days. And um, what I really felt like God was sharing with me is to give you a challenging message. How many can receive a challenge today? Uh, so I'm not here to hype you. I'm here to help you. And I want to help you in your journey of faith. And uh, what I want to talk about uh, is a man that's often overlooked or a man that oftentimes uh, is not shared in church because it's kind of a harder message. Um, but God didn't, God didn't call me to, you know, tickle your feet. He called me to speak to your soul. And so I hope you're prepared to get a word and a challenge today. We're turning five as a ministry. I believe churches uh, grow in age and dog years. And so what that means is I think we're going into a time of maturity. And so what I really want to challenge you to do is grow in your faith. How many know in a culture that we live in today, you need to grow. You need to get better. You need to, you need to mature in your faith. And I know there's many different walks of life in this room, but I really want to challenge the people that have been in church for a long time or have been coming for some time, and I want to challenge you to grow in your faith. Can we all handle that today? All right, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. I got the teaching TV up here with me, and so I'm really excited to preach from this verse, Matthew chapter 26. I want to study and do a little Bible study on the life of Judas, on the life of Judas. And so let's talk about this man named Judas Iscariot. Then one of the 12, actually, can we all, because it's five years, I, I want to make this a custom at our church. When we have the word and the reading of God's word, can we all stand to our feet in honor over the reading of the word? I'd like to make this a custom in our house. This is what the Bible says. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and he said, what will you give me? If I deliver him, speaking of Jesus, what will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And then they paid him 30 pieces of silver. It goes on to say this. And from that moment, Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. From that moment, Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. I want to preach from this thought and this subject today. If you're writing down notes, take this down. I want to preach from this subject, Jesus or Judas? Jesus or Judas? Essentially, here's what I want to talk about. As a lot of us honor Jesus with our words, but we look like Judas with our lives. We look like Jesus, and we honor Jesus with our words, but we look like Judas with our lives. And I want to challenge the Judas on the inside of you. I want to challenge that. I want to grow that. I want to water that. Plant, you know, plant that seed. Water that seed. And I believe God's going to make it grow. Can we say an amen, everybody? Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray? Uh, Father, I have a challenging and a heavy message here. Um, it's not too harm anybody. It's really to help them and to develop them in their faith. I know so many people struggle as they are growing in their faith. And so would you help me ask for divine assistance and help and need? Uh, we believe that many people are going to be set free tonight, God. Come on, everybody agree with me. We believe that many people are going to be set free tonight, that anxiety, depression, stress has no place in this room. We curse it and we rebuke it in Jesus' name. 
And we declare that the word of God would be planted in their hearts. It would germinate and it would grow. And we would see life change, dramatic change in their lives. And we believe that it will uh, be affected because of this moment and these meetings together. Help us to see Jesus, to hear from heaven, and to encounter the power of God. We love you, Lord. In your precious son's name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen and amen. Can we clap our hands and praise God? And you guys can find your seats. Find your seats. Find your seats. I need you guys to help me preach today, all right? Um, I went to Brazil recently, y'all. That was pretty crazy. So I went down to Brazil. Actually, my sister-in-law and my beautiful wife are here. And so we went down to Brazil all together. And we had a wild time down there, did we not, babe? And so I got onto the plane. We went to uh, Goal Airlines. Wouldn't necessarily recommend it, to be honest. But I walked onto this plane. Out of the 233 passengers, there was one Caucasian male. His name was Devin Joshua Fry, walking down this aisle. Not even my own son. He's, he's half Brazilian, so he's not even with me. So I am the only gringo on this plane. All these Brazilians are looking at me. I am not kidding you. I heard a couple of people snicker, and they go, Nossa, gringo. <laughs> and I go, oh, meu Deus do céu. Get on the plane, had a crazy chaotic trip. We'll talk about that later. Anyways, we get to our resort. We get to our, uh, our place where we're staying at. Beautiful place. Had a great time with our in-laws and in-laws. We call them in our family, our in-laws. And so we're staying in this resort. Now, uh, Brazil, the weather is like chaotic. So some moments it's like so hot, beautiful. You know, the weather has like a happy mood. And then you go off to the fridge, you get a yogurt out of the thing or like a little acai bowl. You know what I'm talking about? A little kaja drink, hala. You know what I'm saying? So we get it out the fridge, and all of a sudden you look outside, and it's a torrential downpour. And I'm like, what is going on here? It's like some of y'all's emotions. It's up and down, you know? And I'm, just, I'm just being serious. Anyways, and so there's this one time where I'm, I'm chilling out on the porch, and so this is kind of how the house works. We had, how many people were in the house, babe? Like five, six people in the house? Five people? So we have, you know, my mother and father-in-law, and my sister, my wife, and my son. And so, you know, small little resort, beautiful place, small little resort. So inside the house gets a little chaotic. Simone's, you know, she's playing her music. She's dancing. She's doing the samba all the time. And Natalia's just screaming at me, you know, and I'm just praying and fasting and petitioning before the Lord. And she's just, I'm like, babe, I'm fasting for you. Can you please stop yelling at me for a second? I'm just kidding. It's just a window into our marriage. Anyways, um, so I just remember all these different moments. And so I'm outside. I'm actually reading my Bible. There's one point where there's like a torrential downpour outside. I don't know if you're like me. But there's been many times where, you know, it's raining outside, but there's just, like, peace in my I just like the rain. Anybody else? Sometimes it's just peace when the rain falls. Whole different sermon, whole different time. Anyways, there's one time where it's warm outside, and there's all these bugs that are flying into our, our little apartment, our little complex. And so it's beautiful outside. I'm looking on this porch. And so at our resort, I'm overlooking this porch. I have this lazy river in front of me, beautiful lazy river. There's a beautiful pool. There's a basketball court. There's a beach over, uh, over yonder. And uh, so I see all this beautiful area. Uh, essentially, you could call it, it was paradise. And then I look into our resort, and sometimes it was just chaos. You know what I'm talking about, babe? Sometimes it's just chaos inside our, our house. And then there's one particular time my wife is telling me, Dev, you need to shut the door because all these bugs and all the heat is getting on the inside. And so there's paradise on the outside, chaos on the inside. She goes, babe, shut the door. And I said, okay, I'll shut the door. All of a sudden, Zion, my son, he's two years old. He's about to turn two years old. He runs over into this doorway. He, he like, runs super weird. He just, like, waddles. He just comes over here, waddles into this doorway, and he stands in the middle of the doorway so I can't shut the door. And this is frustrating to me. My wife goes, babe, shut the door. I said, Zion Joshua Fry, 
please move. And he just looks at me, looks right into my eyes. He goes, no. I said, don't you dare talk to me like that, son. I said, Zion Joshua Fry, look him right in the eyes. I said, young man, please move out of the way. He looks at me again. Five seconds go by. No. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Move out of this way right now. And he looks at me yet again, and he just goes, no. And I said, and then my wife just, she's yelling at me. She's like, babe, shut the door. There's bugs going in. I said, I can't because Zion's right here. And she just goes, oh, Zion, get over here. He just goes, okay. I said, Zion Joshua, fry. So frustrated. I've been therapy ever since, but I remember him. So, so Zion was neither outside nor inside. He was, you know, one foot's out here, one foot's in paradise, one foot's in chaos, and he's standing right in the middle. Can I just can I just talk to some people in the room? This is how so many believers are today. Where we got one foot in the world, and we got one foot in the church. And we're following Jesus, but we're also following the world. We are a friend of Jesus, but we're also a friend of the world. Friends, let me just tell you today, it is time to start following Jesus. You need to make a decision. Are you going to follow him or are you not? There is no time to be right in the middle. Listen to me. There is no more time to just stay right in the middle. It needs to be a decision that you make. You are not going to be lukewarm or right in the middle. Because watch this, the middle is the most dangerous place to be. How many know Zion could have been significantly hurt had I shut the door? Because he's right in the middle. Let me tell you something. You are either on Jesus' team or you are not. And listen, the devil owns the fence. He owns the middle. And so if you are in the middle, you belong to Satan. I'm, I'm challenging you today. It is time to make a decision. Who are you following? Dallas Willard, he coined this great phrase. He calls it vampire Christianity or vampire Christians. I love it. So powerful. Watch this. He goes, we have so many vampire Christians today where we want, watch this, we want Jesus' blood, but we do not want his light. In other words, we want Jesus' grace, but we do not want his truth. We want salvation, but we don't want to surrender. It is time to make a decision. Who are you following? Are you going to be like Jesus or are you going to be like Judas? We are not a church that plays games here. It's time to make a decision. Who are you following, Jesus or are you going to be like Judas to play the fence? Ultimately, what I want to do is explain the story of Judas because it's a tragic story. It's a horrible story, to be completely honest with you. And so Judas Iscariot was his name. He was given the responsibility of being the treasurer of, uh, of the disciples, of the 12. I think I'm actually have supposed to do this. He was the responsible one of the 12, Jesus or Judas. Let me go back here, sorry. And so he was the treasurer of all the 12. Essentially what he had to do is take care of all the money that brought in from the ministry. And so there was this tragic moment where Jesus was having this conversation with all 12 people. He's at this U-shaped table having the Last Supper. And he ends up saying this. He prophesies. He says, well, there's one of you in my 12 that will betray me today. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus' heart breaks because he's looking at 12 disciples of people he's invested in, spent time with. And he says, one of you is going to betray me. And all the disciples, they turn to each other and they go, Surely it's not I, Lord. Surely it's not I, Lord. Surely it's not I, Lord. And G Judas turns to Jesus and he goes, surely it's not I, Rabbi. We'll come to that moment later. Essentially what he does is from that moment, he leaves the 12. He leaves that table and he goes off to the chief priests. And the chief priests offer him 30 pieces of silver. And 30 pieces of silver, the equivalent today, is $25. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was sold into slavery and given to the Roman guard for a meal for two. 
That's what greed does to people. It blinds you. And so Judas sold Jesus for $25, 30 pieces of silver. Eventually what happens is Judas, uh, he grabs his whole battalion. He grabs his whole guard. He grabs all these people equipped with weapons, equipped with uh, all these different types of weapons. And so he goes to Gethsemane where Jesus is praying and he finds Jesus. Now this is an indicator that Judas didn't really know Jesus because how many know Jesus is not necessarily a fighter, he's more of a lover. And so he brings this entire army to capture Jesus and Jesus doesn't go without a fight. He, he doesn't fight Judas. So simply, Jesus sees Judas and watch what Jesus says. Jesus says this, he goes, friend, do what you have to do. And so Jesus sees Judas knowing that he's going to betray him and what does Jesus do? He calls him friend. Is this not amazing about our God? That even when you are hurting him and betraying him, he does not disassociate from you. He does not divorce from you. He simply calls you friend. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. Even when you are going to betray him and break his heart, he still calls you friend. I love this about our God. And so G Judas does this horrible thing. Is he weaponizes what normally is affection. He says, I will kiss the one that we are to take and, and take into slavery. And if you uh, search the scriptures and you study the scriptures a little bit more, what you would find is Judas didn't just kiss him once. He, he kissed him many times. And so what normally is a sign of affection actually turned into a weapon. So, so Judas sold Jesus into slavery. Jesus got taken by the guard. And then what later goes on is Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, Judas hung himself because he felt remorse, not repentance. There's a difference. So remorse is being sorry that you got caught. Repentance is saying, I realize I am wrong and I'm going to change my ways. So Judas was remorseful. He was not repentant. And so he ended up taking his life because he had blood money. And so although we see in Judas's story, we see that he has, you know, his eyes saw the greatest and clearest example of who Jesus was. His ears heard the finest teaching in the world. His feet followed in every footstep that Jesus had, and his hands felt the tangible power of God, which tells me he still betrayed Jesus because, watch, you can be in God's house but still not have God's heart. Are you hearing me today? You can be in his house, but it doesn't mean you have God's heart. Listen, you can be on Jesus' team but still not be considered his disciple. And hear me, here's the scary part. This is Judas' story. As you can touch heaven and you can still go to hell. This is Judas's story. And so although it is a tragic story and a horrible story, hear me, there are valuable lessons that we can learn from it. Can we learn from Judas's story today? Yeah. Let me give you three lessons from the life of Judas that has impacted my life tremendously. Number one, write this one down, is this. Is, is Jesus, I'm sorry, Judas, he called worship waste. Judas calls worship waste. Now there's an incredible scripture here. Essentially, here's the scripture, John chapter 12. There's this woman who breaks this alabaster flask. It has this oil in it. And so this woman breaks this oil over Jesus' head. It spills over her head. And then she just basically, she gives him her worship. That's essentially what that was. And she's saying, I'm going to give you everything that I have. And this flask was worth a year's worth of wages. And then Jesus, I mean, sorry, Judas says this. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later betraying him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold? And the money given to the poor. It was, worth, it was worth a year's wages. And then he goes on to say, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. So Judas was criticizing this woman's worship, saying, this is way too valuable to give to God. How many know? When you give something to God, he doesn't just take it, he multiplies it. This is what God does. 
is he doesn't just take your gift, he multiplies it 30, 60, 100 fold. When you give something to Jesus, you better expect a return, but not just a return double. You can see it tripled, you can see it quadrupled. God does incredible things when you give him his gift. But watch, he was a thief, and as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So he always stole the money. So he wasn't saying give it to the poor. What he was saying is give it to me. And so Judas calls worship waste. Can I tell you something in this room? Worship is never wasted. Are you hearing what I just said? Don't make me start preaching right now. Worship is never wasted. See, because oftentimes, here's what happens, is when we worship, God strengthens your spirit. Because worship is, is spirit food. You know that, right? And so listen, I wrote this down. There are two types of worship. I want you to write these down. There are two types of worship. There are many different types. I want to give you two types tonight. There is grateful worship. Come on, how many in here are grateful for the fact that Jesus and that God has protected you? He has helped you. He has shown favor to you. Is there anybody grateful in this room for what God has done in them? It's called grateful worship. And listen to me. Listen to me. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, if there has been anybody that has been redeemed in this room, you ought to lift your voice. You ought to clap your hands. You ought to shout your praise and say, thank you, Jesus, that I am still here. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I might be in and out of the hospital. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I might not be here right now. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I might be in prison. I might be dead if it wasn't for his grace. Is there anybody in here that says, I want to give God grateful worship? That's what grateful worship is. There are some people in this place that know I would not be here if it wasn't for God's goodness. That is why we give grateful worship. Listen to me. Write this down in your notes. It was not luck. That was God. That wasn't luck. That was God. Listen, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in providence. I don't believe in luck. I believe in blessing. How many know God has been good to people in this room? That was not luck that you had that opportunity. That was not luck that you got into that relationship. That was not luck that you got that bonus. That was God, and that was God's goodness and God's faithfulness. That was God. That's why we ought to offer our grateful worship. Here's the second type of worship is this. And here's my favorite, and this is what we were doing a few minutes ago. And Tony, wherever she's at, that's why I love what you said. You're right here. That's why I love what you said. Is because sometimes you're just going through some stuff. Here's my favorite type of worship, warfare worship. Oh my gosh, don't even preach this right now. There's warfare worship. See, because there are some things that the only thing, the only weapon you possess to get you through one season is called warfare worship. Where you say, I, I know there's a season that I'm going through, and the only thing that I can help with, the only thing that can help with it is worship. I can't tell you how many people I've come in contact with, and we just had a team leads meeting right before this, and there was, a, there was a couple that were just giving us a diagnosis from the doctor. They just got a bad report, and we just said, no, we're going to worship God together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship God together, and we're going to get through it together because there are some things. Listen to me. Hear me. There are some things you might need a principle for your mind, but worship strengthens your spirit. That's what warfare worship does, and there is some worship that can only get you through a season. That's why it's called warfare worship. You need to be great. You need to be a grateful worshiper. So at the end of this sermon, at the end of this time, we're going to go back into a time of worship, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to come flood the altar. And listen, this is my this is my prayer, and this is my hope for this sermon, is that you come and you give God warfare worship. I don't care what you're going through. Worship can get you through it. Did you hear what I just said? I don't care what you are going through. Worship can get you through it. It's because listen, listen to me. Worship isn't therapy, but worship is therapeutic. 
Some things can only be strengthened when it speaks to your spirit. And that's what worship does. Worship is spirit food. It's warfare worship. It's grateful worship. But hear me. Uh, anybody ever been on a roller coaster before? Come on, where are my roller coaster people at? How many know there's an accurate way to be on a roller coaster and there's an inaccurate way to be on a roller coaster? And so I have a lot of friends. We'll go on a roller coaster together and they'll literally be just cradled up. They'll hold that little side rail and they'll just go, oh my God, you know, constantly. That is not how you're supposed to ride a roller coaster. No, it's not. I rebuke you, Tony, in Jesus' name. The way you accurately ride a roller coaster is you get in the seat, you pull the thing down. Please, for the love of God, pull the thing down so you don't die. But you're supposed to lift your voice and you're supposed to scream at the top of your lungs and you're supposed to have your hands up in the air. Can I get an amen? Thank you. That's how you accurately ride a roller coaster. What in the world is he talking about right now? I have a point. Follow me. How many know sometimes it's absolutely terrifying, especially when you go to Six Flags in Springfield and you see the wooden roller coasters and you're just like, this thing looks like it's 975 years old and I'm pretty sure the dinosaurs were the ones that created this and we're going 45 degrees around like 95 mile an hour turn. How many know you're scared the wood is going to break, right? But you still, the, the best thing in the world you could do is lift your voice and throw your hands up in the air. Let me tell you. As it is on the roller coaster, so it is on the roller coaster of life. Through the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the best way to get through life is with your voice lifted and your hands high. That is why we worship, we lift our voice, we lift our hands, and we give God glory and we give God praise because that is what worship is all about. We give grateful worship, we give warfare worship. That is how you get through life. It is never a waste when you worship God. So would you lift your voice and would you lift your hands to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I get an amen? Everybody in this house. That's how you worship Jesus. That's how you get through life. Is even though life is a roller coaster, you lift your voice and you lift your hands and baby, you're going to make it through. Did you hear what I just said? That's how you get through life, is you learn how to worship. Amen, everybody? Second point, I'm preaching right now. Second point is this. Judas wanted a crown, but he did not want the cross. Yeah, Judas wants a crown, but he didn't want the cross. See, I asked a simple question in my notes. What's your crown? Because Judas's was money. But maybe it's not money that you're desiring. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's success. I'm going to touch some people. I'm going to come for bodies, J.D. Maybe it's followers. Maybe it's likes. Maybe you shouldn't be so preoccupied with people liking your posts. And maybe you should get more preoccupied with loving God and knowing that God loves you. Because listen, Judas, he wanted a crown. He wanted money. He wanted something other than Jesus, and he did not want the cross. But listen to me. The only way you can get a crown is if you get it at the cross. Oh, my gosh. Did you just hear what I just said? The only way you can get a crown is if you get it at the cross. See, because God, I heard this incredible sermon series called Kings and Queens recently. I don't know if you guys heard that before. Well, listen, God wants to give you a crown, but you get the crown because you are royalty, and that's what God calls you. But you cannot get a crown until you go to the cross. Jesus, I mean, sorry, Judas skipped the cross and he went straight for the crown. And he tried to get a crown by collecting money. Listen, the Bible says very clearly, watch this scripture, write this down. The Bible says very clearly, do we not have the scriptures? The Bible says very clearly, you cannot serve both God 
in money. It's either one or the other. You either serve God Almighty or you serve the Almighty dollar. And so listen, God doesn't, God doesn't mind you having money. The problem is, does money have you? See, because money is a master to some people. It becomes idolatrous to some people. And so God wants you to have money. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says, I delight when people, my, my, my kids are prosperous. I'll find you that scripture in a moment. I'll get that reference for you. But God loves when his kids are prosperous. But he does not want the things that he gifted you and the things that he blessed with, money, to become your God. Judas wanted a crown. He did not want the cross. But watch. I wrote a few things down. These are things that money will buy you. But these are also things that money can't buy you. See, watch this. Money can buy you bed, but it can't buy you sleep. Money can buy you books, but it can't buy you brains. <laughs> Come on, I know, I know some people that read a lot of books, but they're still mad dumb. I'm not looking at you, JD. That's not, I'm not. Money can buy you food, but it can't buy you hunger. <sighs> are you hearing this sermon right now? This is really good. See, because there are some things that only hunger can get you. And money can buy you food, and it can satisfy your physical stomach. But there are some young people in the room that I believe are going to get a heart for God and a hunger for God like never before this year. Come on, everybody. Money can buy you food, but it can't buy you hunger. Watch this. Money can buy you followers, but it can't buy you friends. <laughs> oh, I'm so coming for bodies right now, JD. Money can buy you a house, but it cannot buy you a home. Money can buy you medicine, but it can't buy you health. Money can buy you amusements, but it cannot buy you joy. Money can buy you a plane ticket, but it cannot buy you peace. Here's my favorite one. Money can buy you a passport to everywhere but heaven. Money can do some things, but it cannot do everything. Are you serving God or are you serving money? Are you looking after a crown? Or are you going after the cross? And it's time to make a decision. Who are you following? And I think there's a generation of young people in the room that are saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. I am following Jesus to the day that I die. Can I get an amen in this house today? Judas, he wanted a crown. But for believers, we need a cross. Can I get an amen, everybody? Here's the last and final thought. Worship team, come on up here. Actually, here's the, here's the scriptures. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's the scripture that I was referencing, Psalm 35. May they always say, the Lord be exalted. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. But listen, does money have you, or do you have money? There's a big difference. Third and final point is this. You getting something else, everybody? Here's the most tragic thing is Jesus, I'm sorry, Judas saw Jesus as his teacher, but he did not see him as his king. So he saw him as a teacher, somebody to give great lessons to. I think this is where a lot of people are in the room. I think this is where a lot of people are watching online, is you see Jesus as an incredible man. You can't debate the fact that Jesus walked this earth. But the problem is, and the thing that most people are kind of figuring out, is, is Jesus God? Or is he just a great teacher? Is he just a great rabbi? And this was the problem of Judas. Is Judas just saw him as a teacher, but he did not see him as a king. Watch, here's, here's a fascinating scripture. I talked about it before. Matthew 26, verse 20 through 25. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you are going to betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. So all 11, 
They say this, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Somebody say, Lord. Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Lord translated really just means king. It means the king of my life. Surely you don't mean me, king. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. But the son of man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. This is why most people believe that Judas went to hell. It's not because we speculate. It's because this is what Jesus said. It would be better for him if he had never been born. And it goes on to say this. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. So all 11 said Jesus is Lord, but Judas said Jesus is Rabbi. Rabbi translated teacher. And so Judas sees Jesus as his teacher, but not as his king. And I think there are so many people in the room, so many people struggling in their faith, where they see Jesus as a rabbi as a great teacher, giving great principles. Oh, I love Proverbs. Oh, I love, I love what James talks about. Oh, I love the scriptures. I love, I love this Bible. I love these principles. But, but they don't realize that Jesus is not just man. He's also God. He is divinity and humanity wrapped in clothing. And that was Jesus Christ who came to this earth to die for your sins and to love you. And he lived a perfect and sinless life so that he could die for your sins. And so you don't have to pay for them. You don't have to, you know, pay for your own sins by sacrificing animals like they did in the Old Testament. Simply, all you have to do is receive the grace of Jesus. Come on, everybody. Simple grace of Jesus by grace through faith by which you are saved. And that is what gets you into heaven. Not good works, not good deeds, but a good Savior and a good God. That is how you get into heaven, everybody. <laughs> Judas saw Jesus as a teacher, not as a king. Um, yesterday kind of got some crazy news and uh, to be honest it was really heartbreaking if you follow me on Instagram you saw it um, but one of my students uh, friends uh, really little brother I've known him for how long like 20 years huh since he was four years old so 20 20 years um, his name was Sam Rice and uh, Sam was an amazing amazing young man and as a youth pastor as a friend as a big brother that's horrible when you see people pass but essentially what my, my friend struggled with, cancerous tumors for about three years. And yesterday, he went home to be with Jesus. And um, you know, it was a tragic moment. We visited him in and out of the hospital a few times and just getting to be in that, in that place. You know, you just see suffering and you see pain and you see sorrow uh, in his eyes at times. But at the same time, what you see is hope. Because there's a scripture that talks about in Thessalonians. It says, we don't grieve like the world does. But we are people that grieve with hope. And so you can have pain in your heart, but also peace in your heart because you know who Jesus is. Why don't you throw that picture up there, guys? This was, ironically, crazy. This was two years ago on this date. Two years ago, throw that picture up there, guys, of Sam. Two years ago on this date, we had a baptism service. It was on the five-way birthday. Incredible moment. We had a spontaneous baptism. We actually got to baptize uh, Sam while he was here. And it was an incredible moment. God moved so much. But there's such peace and there's such hope. Do we have that picture or no? If we don't, it's okay. Uh, go, go to my Facebook or Instagram if you want to see it. Uh, essentially, what I knew and what I had peace with is that Sam is home in heaven. And so I was sitting with the family and we were talking with the family. And I was sitting with Samantha and Ozegia. We were in the living room. We were just talking stories and laughing and having fun and, and sharing all these kind of crazy moments that we had with Sam. And because of that moment, two years ago, on this day, baptism, where he basically just said, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
He simply just said, Jesus isn't my teacher. Jesus is my king. And so now in moments of tragedy and trial, even when death is opposing us and death is facing us, we can still have hope that even when we don't get to see him here in this life, we know that one day we will see him again. And same as you're looking down here, buddy, we're going to make you proud, bro. We're going to make you very proud. And we're going to give heaven to people. We're going to give hope to people. And ultimately, here's what we are going to do is we are going to give Jesus to people because that's how we save a city. That's how we save a region as we give hope and we give life and hope and life have a name and his name is Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Savior. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the Prince of Peace. He has saved my life. He has saved so many in our room's life and this is the God that we serve. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is time to start following him and to make a decision. It's Jesus or it's Judas. Everybody standing right now. It's Jesus or it's Judas. You have to make a decision. What life are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the life of Jesus? Or are you going to follow Judas's life? Would everybody bow their heads and close their eyes? Oh, you guys have it right here. If you didn't get to see it, this is my buddy Sam. And I'm going to miss him a whole lot. And I'm so proud of the man that he was. But I know where Sam is. And I think there's some people in the room that maybe don't know where they're going. And I want to give you the opportunity now to say yes to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want to give you this moment right now. Maybe for some of you, listen to me loud and clear. Please, please don't hustle and bustle away out of here. Please listen to me. I want to speak to your spirit, not to your mind. Maybe for some of you right now, you need to say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. All in. There's warfare worship. What, what kind of worship is that? that? That worship is giving full surrender. It's not partial. Jesus, see, Judas gave half of what he had. He was okay to give something, but he wasn't okay to give everything. This is a moment where you give everything to Jesus and you say, I'm giving my life to him. And I want to give you that moment right now, if that's you. I'm going to ask you on three to shoot your hand up boldly. Boldly. Don't care about your neighbor. This is between you and God. You do not know where you are spending eternity. This is your moment right here. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to shoot your hand up and say yes to Jesus. To say, I need to receive him. I need to repent for my sin and say yes to Jesus. One, Jesus loves you so, 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 so much. He died for you, and today should be your day for salvation. Two, if this is your moment, don't you dare wait another minute, for you do not know if tomorrow is promised. Is this you? Three, would you shoot your hand up right now and say, I want to say yes to Jesus right now. We got hands all over the room. I'm so proud of you guys, and you, and you, and you, and you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you and 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 you. I'm so proud of 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 you. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you right here. I'm so proud of you there in the back. It's an incredible decision. It's amazing. Would you put your hands down? I want to pray for another group of people. And we're going to pray together. But if there's some people that need to say, I need to go all in with Jesus. I'm not going to follow the ways of Judas. I'm not just going to be on his team or come to church, but I want to say I'm surrendering my life all out, all in, reckless abandon. I'm going in with Jesus. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up and say, that's me? I'm going all in. I'm not turning back anymore. I'm going all in. Hands all over the room. Would everybody repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. 
I recognize that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. And today, Lord, I acknowledge you not as my teacher, but as my king. I accept your free gift of grace and I receive your salvation. And I thank you, Lord. Use me, God. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my family and I thank you for my friends. I pray that we would use Judas's life as an example of what not to do. Although he has a horrible story, he gives us valuable lessons. Worship is never a waste. It's never a waste. And we're not going to pursue crowns. We're not going to pursue money. We're not going to pursue power or success. Those things, I think, are good in their context. But what we are going to pursue is the cross and the cross of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, God, we make you our king. We make you, we make you our Lord. And we will worship you with reckless abandon. In Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen and amen?